Welcome to Earth Matters, a program featuring environment and social justice stories from Australia and around the world. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. And we acknowledge and pay our respects to elders, past, present and emerging, and to First Peoples listening today, always was, always will be. Aboriginal land. Earth Matters is going out to you and across the country via the Community Radio Network. I'm your host for today, Judith Peppard. If you were out and about in Victoria in January and traveling along the Great Ocean Road, you might have encountered the Great Ocean Rescue Tour. Seismic blasting is releasing blasts under the water. And these blasts are as loud as an atomic bomb going off under the water every 10 seconds. 250 decibels every 10 seconds under the water for 400 days straight. So if anyone here loves the ocean, we hope you might join us on our march today so you can help us protect it, because that's what we're doing. We're going to make sure there's no new fossil fuel projects in our oceans. But what's it all about? Well, there's currently not one not two, but three proposals to conduct seismic surveys or seismic blasting in Commonwealth waters in the Otway Basin off the southwest coast of Victoria. The purpose of the seismic blasts is to identify potential oil and gas reserves under the ocean floor for future exploration and development. The three companies proposing to conduct the seismic surveys are TGS, SLB, or Schlumberger, Conical Phillips Australia and Regia CGG. But they can't proceed until their environment plan is approved by the national regulator NOPSEMA. The purpose of the environment plan is to show how the marine ecosystem will be affected by the blasting and how these companies plan to limit or mitigate the damage it causes. At this stage, we don't know whether the environment plan for TGS or Conical Phillips Australia have received final approval. The environment plan for Regia CGG is still out for community comment. But people who live and work along the coast, and First Peoples, whose country it is, are determined to stop it. And that's where the Great Ocean Rescue Tour comes in. Two of the organisers joined me earlier this week. Lisa Deppola, who's the founder of Ocean, the Altway Coastal Environment Action Network, and Mitch Pope, one of the coordinators of the Great Ocean Rescue Tour. During the tour, most of the focus was on the TGS SLB proposal. So I began by asking why. Here's Lisa Deppola. It's the size of it. If this proposal is successful, it will be the largest 3D seismic blasting on the planet. And I understand it intercepts with some marine parks. Yeah, it does. It overlaps over the Zeehan Marine Park and it runs on the boundary of the Nelson Marine Park as well. But you kind of start to wonder why these areas are marine parks anyway, if they're not really protected. Why are people so concerned about it? Like what will this seismic blasting do to the marine environment? These blasts, they have to be so loud to penetrate up to 20 kilometers below the seabed. So they're measured to be 250 decibels 
loud. They're known to kill all zooplankton and krill within a 1.2 kilometer radius. They haven't tested outside that boundary. The impacts to whales hearing can be devastating and all forms of other marine life as well. So the impacts on our ocean, but exploring for new gas in the middle of a climate crisis, we don't want new gas as well. The impact of new gas on the climate will be devastating. Lisa, you came up with the idea of the Great Ocean Rescue Tour. It all happened in January. So why January? Because we want to raise awareness of seismic blasting amongst people beyond those just living along the coastline. We wanted to raise the issue with people that were coming to the coast for holidays. And January is such a busy time down here. The place just explodes with tourists. So we thought, well, for a change where we have to go to Melbourne and try and inform people about seismic, they'll come to us. And there were people who were here enjoying the coast. And I think it has a much greater impact when they hear about the devastating impacts of seismic blasting, if they're actually here enjoying the beautiful environment at the same time. How did they respond when they saw you out in the streets? Most people were flabbergasted. I did not meet one person who thought seismic blasting was a good idea. This really is an issue that transcends political beliefs, whether you're lefty or righty or a greenie. Everybody thinks this is a pretty bad idea. Mitch, you were one of the coordinators of the Great Ocean Rescue Tour. What other organizations supported the tour? Yeah, we had huge support from each of our different partner groups. We had Surfrider, Australia, Australian Marine Conservation Society, Friends of the Earth, SOPEC, which is the Southern Ocean Protection Embassy Collective, Fight for the Bite Port Ferry, Patagonia. All these groups seem to slot in. We all have our particular strengths. Ocean becoming a growing community group or network almost along the coast. Australian Marine Conservation Society who have a really strong science base and are able to give us lots of support in that area. Surfrider Foundation have a, a massive reach advertising and getting people to come along. So I'm really curious about what you actually did. What happened once it kicked off? The whole tour consisted of seven film screenings, two big marches, like community marches, and a big paddle out in Warrnambool. So the film screenings were great to give people an idea of what was going on and the impacts and the beautiful film called Southern Blast, which was created by Surfrider. We generally screen that the night before one of our big events. And then our marches were just to show our community opposition to these projects, get media attention, which we were very successful in doing. Lots of local and larger media attention. We had people writing letters to MPs. We've had a survey that we've created. We've gotten heaps of responses for our survey. What was the survey about? We created a survey wanting to find out what the community thinks about seismic blasting and these new gas development projects. Still got our survey open. Really gained so much support from all of the communities along the Great Ocean Road. The first event was in Bowen Heads and Ocean Grove. We ran events all the way down to Portland. So that whole sort of Southwest coastline, raising the awareness getting the media attention and giving people something to do other than just coming to the film. You were inviting them to act. Yeah, absolutely. There was lots of things that people could do and everyone was really supportive and really on board. Were there any moments that really stood out for you, like that you really carry with you out of that campaign? Maybe some things that surprised you? Yeah, there was a massive, really special moment for me. The moment that we marched down the main street of Ocean Grove, when we reached the street, just business owners and people from the community who were in the street and not part of our event came out of the shops and just applauded us and cheered us on and really supported 
what we were doing. Yeah, that was a really special moment for me. But what about you, Lisa? Was there anything that really stood out for you? For me, it was also the Ocean Grove March. There were quite a few of us as we got to the main street of Ocean Grove. It's a very short street. So we plan to walk very slowly, taking tiny steps and moving so slowly. We were playing John Butler's song, Ocean. And there were quite a few of us started crying. It was really emotional for me. It was emotional that the store holders were coming out and clapping, but it was almost a bit of a grieving as well. The terrible things that we do to our ocean. And I wasn't alone in that. I was a couple of people walking beside me going, oh my God, I'm crying. It was amazing. For me, holding the march in Apollo Bay, my hometown, where I get so much support. It was the largest march, maybe 350, 400 people. And it was the same sort of thing, the storeholders coming out and clapping. It was fantastic. Another one for me was Portland, the amount of support that we got in Portland. You know, being such um, an industrial town, having the smelter, we got a lot of support, mainly from the Lock the Gate. They now call themselves Protect the West. So many people came and signed up on our survey and on the AMCS petition. And then we, we filled the house for the film screening as well. So from Ocean Grove to Portland and everything in between, it sounds like people were supportive and came out and signed petitions. I'm wondering whether you got more people viewing the website or joining Ocean. Definitely. We had to enlist a volunteer to become our memberships person to register our new members. There's definitely a lot more interest. Would you agree, Mitch? Absolutely. Ever since the first events, news about what we were doing was really getting shared all over Facebook community notice boards. And so many people were saying, oh, I never knew about this. I want to get involved. The emails were going nuts with people wanting to help out. Yeah, we really couldn't keep up with it, which is just incredible. It sounds like it gathered momentum over the period of the campaign. It really has. And we've got a lot more people who involved in many different areas along the coast. Ocean started in Apollo Bay, but now we've got like an Ocean Grove branch, an Aries Inlet branch, Apollo Bay, Warrnambool. Over the whole tour, we had over 1,400 people attend one of the events across the whole thing. Lots of media attention, lots of people talking about it. That's really made a difference as well. And I understand you're still waiting to hear whether the national regulator, NOPSEMA, has approved the TGS environment plan, you know, the final approval. I know it's been out for consultation and that all ended, I think, in August last year. But we haven't heard whether they've had the final approval. Is that correct? That is correct. There's a possibility that it could be approved any day and that they could start seismic blasting any day. It's certainly a perfect time for them, weather-wise, to be out there doing it. And this is the big one, right? This is the big one. This is the, the TGS and Schlumberger proposal. We had a meeting with our wider group the other day and, and we were just talking about what sort of psychological support we can give each other on the possibility that this could be approved because it's a horrible thought to think that they'd be out there doing that. For 400 days, Judith, this will go for. Every 10 seconds for 400 days, it's a devastating thought. 
at the moment, if you're a relevant person, if you're registered as a relevant person, which is anybody who's put in a submission, we still have the opportunity to fire off questions or new issues that may be raised. And we'll be doing that to stall it as long as we can. So this is the TGS one we're talking about here. Correct. At the moment, the proposal by CGG to seismic blast an area, it's a bit smaller than the other proposal, but it's in very close to the coast. It's only 12 kilometres off the coast of Port Ferry. That's open for public consultation at the moment. There's a 30-day period, and that period finishes on the 26th of February. I need to tell you, Judith, that this is a 3,330-page document, and it is heavy reading. And the Australian people get 30 days to comment on that. That's 100 pages a day of really heavy reading for a month. It's totally slanted in the favour of the gas and oil companies. In the middle of the TGS and the CGG, of course, there's the Conical Phillips proposal and its environment plan did go out for consultation in November and closed um, almost just before Christmas. So that's the third one. The community is really up against it. It's just common sense that these things shouldn't be happening. The ConocoPhillips one is for six exploration wells and this area has already been 2D blasted and 3D blasted. It'll most likely go ahead. Lisa Depola, founder of Ocean, the Otway Coastal Environment Action Network, and Mitch Pope, one of the coordinators of the Great Ocean Rescue Tour. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, and today we're looking at three proposals to conduct seismic blasting in the Otway Basin, the impact that will have on the marine environment and the community opposition to it. The environment plans submitted by TGS and Conical Phillips Australia have gone through the required processes and are awaiting approval or rejection from NOPSEMA. The environment plan for Regia CGG is out for public comment until February 26th, as Lisa Depola pointed out earlier. Another group taking a close interest in these proposals for seismic blasting in the Otway Basin is the Southwest Coast Scientific Group of the Clean Ocean Foundation. They've examined the environment plan submitted to the National Regulator by TGS and ConocoPhillips Australia and recommended that both be rejected. And they're currently preparing their response to the Regia CGG environment plan. I caught up with Associate Professor Laurie Lawrenson, a marine biologist and member of the Southwest Coast Scientific Group, to find out more. One of the things that I had a much closer look at in the more recent application was Nopsema, or everybody, should not be looking at each of these projects in isolation from other projects. Every one of these projects has a footprint. Canoco Phillips is notionally 4,500 square kilometres. TGS, I think, was 45,000 square kilometres. Regia's is quite a large area as well. That total area combined, you've got three notionally different organisations doing some sort of seismic survey work, constitutes an area that's the equivalent of the size of Tasmania. Is there overlap? So are we getting the same area being blasted over and over again, or are they three very different areas? The different projects are mostly adjacent to each other, but the combined area, as I said, is the size of Tasmania. One thing that 
all of these projects have in common is that they claim, yes, we're doing this. Our footprint's going to be this. It's not as big as it could be, you know. But if you look at these types of surveys from 2018 through to the proposed ones coming through now, there is no time for the ecosystem to recover from impacts of these types of projects. It doesn't get a break. It's continuous and the area is huge. You raised concerns about damage to plankton. I'm wondering if you can describe plankton briefly and why it's so important for the health of the ocean ecosystem. Plankton are all those little lurgies that float around in the water column. You divide it in two different groups. You get uh, phytoplankton and zooplankton. The phytoplankton are kind of plant-based things, and the zooplankton are a myriad of small things that are found in the water column. So they go from invertebrates like copepods, clodostrins, all those sorts of things, through to larvae from fishes, through to larvae of important things from abalone or lobsters. They form this cloud of things that floats in the water column. They're found in patches. They are found everywhere, but sometimes the patches are bigger than others. Their importance is that they form the absolute basis of the food web. They're the bottom of the things that cascade up through the food web, through the different trophic levels that eventually feed the top water things like whales. But all the fishes, seabirds, and those sorts of things depend on the krill. In the Bonnie Upwelling or the Bonnie Coast area, the most important part of the zooplankton is the krill. So you talk about the fact that the Conical Phillips Environment Plan fails to recognise the importance of krill, which is a keystone species. Krill are widely known and it's widely published in the scientific literature of keystone species. Now, keystone species are things that have a disproportionate impact on the environment in which they exist. You take them out of that environment, cascading things happen and things change, things go wrong. Krill is one of those that are a bottom-up keystone species. They are that important that they support the whole ecosystem and we know whales eat krill. So you take away the krill, there's no food for whales, but whales aren't the only things that eat the krill. All sorts of things eat the krill in that system. All three, Phillips, TGS and Regia, they know from us that they're keystone species. My reading of their applications, there's an awful lot of similarities between them. They've also seen our, certainly Phillips has, our response to TGS, which says there's krill keystone. In none of their applications, not one of those applications is the term keystone mentioned, not once. And even if they want to argue that it's not that important, they ought to acknowledge it. What will the impact of seismic blasting be on krill? What do we know about the impact? There's a lot of things that are not known. But in 2017, a guy by the name of Macaulay did an experiment out in Bass Strait where he used seismic blasts to determine what would happen to various parts of the zooplankton, including the krill. Now, the important thing about his study was he showed that krill larvae out to 1.2 kilometers from seismic blast are killed. 100% mortality out to 1.2 kilometers. He set off these blasts and then he sampled the area. He could not find a single live krill larvae and he only looked out to 1.2 kilometers. So we don't know how further out it goes. 
So what this means when you have Kanoka Phillips, who are going to use a slightly different methodology, but it still produces sound levels equivalent to seismic blasts. Every time you hear a bang, bang, all krill larvae dead to 1.2 kilometers. Then at six, seven seconds, bang, does it again. Bang, does it again. No krill larvae, no krill adults. No krill adults, no more new krill larvae. No krill adults, no food for whales, no food for a huge variety of fishes, no food for seabirds. Keystone species, you've taken the food out of the food web, what are they going to eat? Krill will recover. They are fast growing, but that's not the point. The point is, how does their population change? How fast their numbers recover after you've impacted them? And how long can a whale go without eating? Laurie Lawrenson from the Southwest Coast Scientific Group of the Clean Ocean Foundation. As Laurie has pointed out, the main study of the impact of seismic blasting on krill was conducted in 2017 in the Bass Strait by Macaulay. Now, the Bass Strait is in what we call temperate waters, waters in the cooler regions of the planet. So the Macaulay study is applicable to what happens in the Otway Basin, as opposed to studies that may have been conducted in tropical waters. I asked Laurie to tell me more about the Macaulay study. Macaulay's work is on the, the zooplankton, and krill is a component of that. That piece of work has been peer-reviewed. It's published in Nature, one of those places that are really, really hard to get into, and peer review is quite stringent. Just what does it mean? You design an experiment, you go out and you conduct it, you write it up, then you submit it to a journal and they say, yep, this looks pretty good. And then they send it out to experts across the world. And the experts look at this and say, are your conclusions right? Was the method that you used right? Have you done anything wrong here? Is this good or bad? For it to get into nature, all of those things had to have been, yes, this is done right. Yes, it's written well. Yes, what you're trying to say is important. That's what that peer review process is. Uh, Kanoka Phillips are going to argue, and I've mentioned this before, that they use a sub-bottom profiler. As I said before, it's really important. You understand that the sound produced by sub-bottom profile is not that significantly different from a normal seismic blast. Is it a little bit less? It's a little bit less, but it's still 169 decibels. And it's not good enough to say, well, it's less. What they need to do is prove that it doesn't do anything bad. EPBC Act says absence of knowledge of an impact of something is no justification for doing it. The odd thing is that all the three applications that we've viewed, there seems to be a willful ignoring of the appropriate science and selective citation of the science that is out in the literature and misapplication of what that science says to support their positions. That is a takeaway from all three applications. So I'm curious, what degree of separation is there between the national regulator, NOPSEMA, and the offshore oil and gas industry? Personal opinion, not enough. Our first review of TGSs was essentially sent to NOPSEMA which was immediately forwarded to TGS. Now, that's not what I was expecting, not of an independent regulator. So basically, they gave TGS the benefit of your analysis. Yes. And then TGS 
didn't actually use it. And then what degree of separation is there between the national regulator, NOPSEMA, the offshore gas and oil industry, and the state and federal governments? Well, for the ones we're looking at, the state government doesn't have any involvement, as far as I am aware. We're talking about Commonwealth waters here. Yes, it's Commonwealth. The relevant minister can ignore NOPSEMA's advice. It's up to the minister to say they want to accept it or not. And the relevant minister is Madeleine King, Minister for Resources. And Tanya Plibersek may also have a say. Laurie Lawrenson, from the Southwest Coast Scientific Group of the Clean Ocean Foundation. And to read their critique of the TGS Environment Plan and the ConocoPhillips Environment Plan, just go to the Clean Ocean Foundation website, www clean ocean all one word dot org it's not hard to find but back to the great ocean rescue tour i congratulated mitch pope on a successful campaign and i wondered what was next what were the next steps bit of a waiting game the tgs lumberger proposal but we're just trying to keep the momentum going on this campaign we'll be submitting a comment to nopsema for CGG's environment plan. The Australian Marine Conservation Society have put together an amazing template that people can just add their name to submit their comments. So we'll have that up on our website as well. So people can head to www.ocean.org.au and they'll be able to fill their name into that public comment. Submissions close on the 26th of February at 11.59pm. If it's the 26th of Feb, you've still got until midnight to get that submission in. Mitch Pope. And if you are listening to the show before midnight on February 26th, you can also find the petition. And if you want to comment on the CGG Environment Plan by going to the Australian Marine Conservation Society website and looking for Reject Seismic Blasting Next to Whale Calfing Grounds. And that website is www.marineconservationalloneword.org.au. We're coming to the end of Earth Matters. And a big thank you to all our wonderful guests. Lisa Deppler, founder of Ocean, the Altway Coastal Environment Action Network. Mitch Pope, member of Ocean and one of the coordinators of the Great Ocean Rescue Tour. Associate Professor Laurie Lawrenson from the Southwest Coast Scientific Group of the Clean Ocean Foundation. And the Clean Ocean Foundation website again, www.cleanocean.org. Earth Matters thanks the Community Radio Network for their work in broadcasting today's episode and bringing it to you, and the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. Earth Matters is produced at 3CR, community radio station in Nam, Melbourne, and we can be contacted on earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us, and do tune in again next week for more environment and social justice stories. And to go out, people respond to information about seismic blasting in different ways. Carly Reeve was quite distressed when she heard about it, so she wrote a song, and we've got time to hear just a little bit of Upwelling. We can hear the plaintive cries of the gulls. 
Herald nigh the coming war We don't want your promises greedy We know where they will lead We don't want your guns and drills A firing in our seas You may come with your sweet talk money But your drilling days are done Drilling days are done